Welcome to the Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories podcast. My name is Dr. Brandon Beck, and I am so excited for you to be here to join us today. The goal of this show is to amplify the stories of amazing people, which serve as inspiration for your journey. Your story matters. It tells us who you are and who you want to be. Enjoy this opportunity to hear from these innovative thought leaders as they discuss what it means to unlock unlimited potential. If you are looking for an opportunity to connect further with me after this show, please visit brandonbeckedu.com to learn more about my speaking, coaching, consulting, and other offerings that are designed to help you and your organization find greater results in your journey. Welcome to the Unlocking Unlimited Potential Stories show. I am so excited to be here today. I finally tracked down this guy. I had to get him. I had to get him off wherever he was running because he's he's ran 32 marathons and he is an international keynote speaker. He's an auth, four times author. He's a former principal. This guy's been everywhere and I got him. He's right here. Adam, welcome. How you doing, my man? Brandon, what's going on? I'm a little sweaty. I just finished a run, and now, uh, now we're podcasting. There's no, uh, there's no better way to do it, man. <laughs> you must be full of reflection. Yeah. So usually, I run with my wife. I wake up every day at like four thirty, and then I wake up my wife at about five thirty, and we run together. I was, I was solo this morning, so definitely when I'm out there on the road by myself, uh, I am able to uh, kind of think a little bit differently, which is cool. I feel like running for me is like kind of like the filter for so many ideas. And you'll start a run with thoughts and ideas. And then as the run goes, and then when you stop, what is the best kind of like the cream, it just comes to the surface. And then those are the things that I write down. And then I'll try to uh, just continue continue on uh, as the day goes all right so here's the million dollar question what came what was the cream at the top what was there today i mean i don't want to give yeah. away all your tricks but like, <laughs> come on, give, me, give me something from 18 you just say 18 miles i mean that's a that's a little little while right yeah i did not run 18 miles this morning um i wish i did so yeah the thought <laughs> the thought for today was um it was it was to put up barriers in your life. I, I struggle with the word balance, and I have some good friends that have written written books on balance. And I'm just talking about just from my standpoint. I think balance is like completely un, unattainable. It's kind of like you're trying to balance like 15 things and think about like pizza. So if you have like 15 pizza boxes, you're gonna drop them at some point because you just can't balance them all. But if you, but you can carry like three to five pizzas. And I think that's as many things that we can kind of focus on. So getting back to what I said is, is barriers. My approach is I like to put barriers up in my life to not let things in. So instead of balance, put up barriers and a barrier is saying no, uh, you know, like, dude, honestly, this is like the third or fourth time you've asked me to be on the podcast. And I've said, no, not right now a few times. Just because I had like a lot of things going on in my life, and dude, I, I didn't wanted to take it personally. By the way, no, well, I didn't want to let you know I didn't take it personally, <laughs> but I kept I asking. Wanted, <laughs> no, for sure. But the point of it is like, 
I just, if I had said yes a year ago or, you know, 18 months ago when you originally asked me, it just wouldn't have worked for me because of travel or family and work and what have you. And it just wasn't the right time. Um, and like, to your point, like people like don't, don't take it personal if somebody says no. They're saying no for a reason. They're putting up a barrier or they're turning off their email on their phone when they leave work for the day or they're not checking their email all weekend because they're actually with their family and they're doing what they should be doing. They're not working 15 to 16 to 17 hours a day. So that was kind of the thought from this morning is it is okay and I encourage people to put up barriers in their life. To me, that's just a, it's a more effective way for me to try to quote unquote achieve balance than um, trying to like juggle everything, which never goes well. It just doesn't because you're trying to juggle so many things and you forget about something and oh my gosh, that one thing and like, ah, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work for me. No, it's so true. And you know, I really appreciate you saying that, but I also have to say, and I have also have to add to that is at least say no, you know, because, and this doesn't happen to me a lot because I, I'm just, maybe I'm fortunate. I've reached out to a lot of, a lot of great people or whatever, but at least you responded, you know what I mean? And, and of course, and I feel like, you know, I don't put yourself in, in a place. I mean, here you are, you, you have 68,000 Twitter followers and I can tell you, you probably responded within like an hour of my message. And I think that that's really important when we talk about people that are out there doing great things um, and that have big followings. I think that's really, it's, that's part of it too, you know, being able to say no, but also being able to that human aspect, you know, because mm -hmm. you, the one thing you see too is I'm sure I know you see it is being pulled in so many different directions because you see so many different needs out there and you have such a level of service that you want to provide. And, so many educators stretch themselves so into so many places because you know they yeah, even as a school leader they want to help the community they want to help the parents they want to help the individual students they want to help the teachers they want to help the cafeteria workers it goes on and goes on and goes on so that's just it's that's an educator's life for sure but understanding that human aspect and i know you have a podcast and you work with a lot of principals all over the country and especially through these past few years, especially with this pandemic, you've had a chance to really dig in with, with those groups of people. Talk a little bit about some of the challenges that they've faced and that you've seen coming to the surface. Yeah. So just to be clear, everybody knows uh, kind of who I am and where I've been. I'm a former teacher, former assistant principal. Oh former, my God. Um, I totally forgot your intro. Former, I thought it did so well, but come with it. Former, uh, it. For, former elementary principal. Then I was a director of innovation for a large school district. And then five years ago, I just transitioned to being a full-time speaker, professional developer, blogger, podcaster. Um, but, you know, actually during COVID, like kind of original COVID, I was actually a principal again. All my travel was canceled like everybody. And there was a, a, a principal job that was open. It was like a maternity leave replacement for like seven months. Talked to the superintendent. He's like, oh my God, it'd be awesome to have you. So I did that. And I just I bring that up because I was a principal like during COVID. I brought the school back from distance learning to in-person transitioning. The principal came back and you know, in that work and then, you know, getting kind of back into leading a school, 
I feel like this, there has been so many challenges, obviously contact tracing and COVID. I mean, all, so many political things. And I think something that has really rung true is, and I felt this was true previously, like 12 years ago when I got into school leadership was I feel like, I feel like so many leaders I see, and it's really no fault of their own. They're just doing things that have zero return on the investment of them doing it. And like, they'll spend a day talking about like the color of the chair that they should order. And, you know, my approach has always been like, it's, it's a chair and that might be like a small example, but you know, like, just like, where is the impact of the time that you're putting towards something? Where is it coming back? And if it's not student centered, if it's not about kids, if it's not about teachers, then you really need to look at that and analyze it and just say like, hey, did that decision really impact anything? Because I remember like when I was a new principal, I would come home and tell my wife, honey, I made 50 decisions today. 45 of those decisions that I made had nothing to do with education. It was just all like the other accoutrements of like running a school and a building and traffic and parking lots and like, you know, like just solar panel projects. So Really, really look at just because you have the title of principal or assistant principal or dean or whatever it is, I want to make as few decisions as possible. You know, push those decisions down, push them out, because then you empower other people. And I want people to make decisions without having to come to me. That means your organization is in a really healthy place. And if everybody has to wait for you every single time, you're only going to go so far because you're just limiting who can make decisions and who can think and who can push that stuff out there. So I think that has definitely been exacerbated, um, you know, during COVID and I, I travel a ton still, Brandon. So I see it every district's in a little bit different place, kind of like post this post kind of COVID world, hopefully like the tail end of, of everything, but just really think like, do I need to make this decision? Can somebody else be making this decision or should nobody be making this decision? Should we just get rid of the thing that we've been doing? Yeah, so many little gold nuggets in there. But let me recap the economy of time, right? That's something that we talk about, how valuable and even taking it further into the classroom level, you know, how valuable is sticking to the the minute by minute schedule then is it having a student where you notice the two kids are having a conversation and you hear something about that's going on at home for that kid that you realize that's an opportunity where you have to dive in a little bit to that conversation, being able to have understand that the economy of time for that little interaction that you would have with that student or with that staff member just carries on and multiplies more than it would be than importance for me to be like, Oh no, it's, it's, 10, 10, it's time to put your books down and, and do this subject, or, you know, it's time to do this thing because that's what we're supposed to do. You talk a lot about transformational leadership and as you're out there in schools and as you're working with schools and, you know, getting people to make these good decisions and focus their time in the right places, how do you see districts pushing forward into the, the next school years with keeping transformational leadership at the forefront. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I work with a lot of awesome districts and I just, I feel like, I feel like so many districts are just, <laughs> they're not letting their leaders 
lead and they're having them do so many things that again just have no impact on on actual outcomes and i don't say that throwing any shade at any district um i just see like just like meetings i mean i talk to friends that are principals still Brendan, and they'll be like in four hour principal meetings what the heck does anybody need to talk about for four hours you're just like sucking time and your brain turns off. Like, I mean, what if like the teacher was just talking at their students for four hours? They're not going to be engaged and they're not going to be paying attention. And I'm not saying don't collaborate and don't get people together. That is really important. But, you know, if meetings are being held at central office somewhere, you know, have meetings at schools and actually walk around with all of your principals and incorporate instructional rounds and say like, hey, this is a model classroom. This is what we see. What do you see? Bring some teachers into that. There's just so much, so much meeting and talking in isolation um, that really just doesn't have a lot of bang for the buck. I'll tell you, too, I feel like so many school school district leaders need to get the heck out of their district office. I know when I was a director, we had 50 schools, 35,000 students, and I would be in these district office meetings with really great people, really, really intelligent, caring educators, and they would be having conversations about things. And I would say, like, what are you talking about? Like, that's actually not true. How many schools, I would ask this question, how many schools have you been in in the last month? I've been 50 schools. And maybe they had visited like one or two. And Brendan, I was not perfect, but I really prided myself on being in schools every single day, especially when you're a leader at the central office. I was like, I've been in 20 schools in the last month. Our schools, your information is wrong. Let's go do a visit. Let's go visit five schools in, in one day. Let's go visit 15 schools in a week. Come back to the same room. I guarantee you, you're going to have a different viewpoint on what you thought was actually happening because you can't know where you need to go unless you know where you are. And I think so many people, they just don't know where they are or they think they know where they are based on history or based on quote unquote what they hear. And I feel like that's just so it's just doing a disservice to the kids and the teachers and the bus drivers and the and the special education assistants that are working in our classrooms every day. There's just so much happening that people are just out of touch with. And you're actually going to have so much more fun in your job, central office leaders, when you spend more time during the day in schools than you actually do in that office because nothing's happening at central office. It's all happening at the schools and districts make their money, quote unquote, make their money in classrooms, in hallways, in buildings. They don't make it at central office um, because really I remember like when I was a teacher, I had no idea what like the district, like, I mean, I know like a teacher is the district that is a part of the district, but there were like these people at like district office. And I remember going there to like fill out paperwork and it was like this, oh my gosh, like the district office. And then as I kind of grew in my career, I realized like, like what's happening at district office. It's, it's, it's like almost like a museum at some points where like, like what's happening. There's no energy and like go to schools. That's where kids are talking and things are happening and parents are there. If you want to get a finger on the pulse of your organization, 
spend an entire week, just bring your laptop, bring your phone, spend an entire week at schools, and you're going to really, really, really get a better feel of where your organization is. 1000%. I echo that sentiment. <laughs> I love that. But talk a little bit about why do you think school leaders get to that point? What have you noticed where they're not leaving the office as much or getting the opportunities? What is what is the reasons behind that that you're seeing? Yeah, I mean, one could be ego. They just think that, well, you know, I have my doctorate or certification or I've been been this or done that for this many years. So I know. And let me tell you, there's been more change in the last five years of education than there probably was in the last 35 years. It's called the internet. It's called Google Classroom. It's called podcasting. It's called robotics. It's called everything. Um, I think the second thing is professional jealousy and just kind of fear of not knowing and not keeping up. Um, and it's almost like, you know, it's almost like you should have to like reapply for your job every five years somewhat. Like, are you remaining relevant? Is what you're talking about still relevant? Um, and it might be. And if not, or maybe like you got to go back to like to the site for six months to just kind of really see where where things were. I mean, that was a really big benefit of me, you know, leaving the principalship, going to the central office, leaving my district for five years and then going back to being a sub principal. And I've done other substitute principal jobs since then as well, too, which is fun. And you go, oh, wow, classrooms are in a different place than they were six months ago, than they were two years ago. And it's kind of like there used to be like, uh, what was that show on MTV? MTV Cribs, like you think you know, but you have no idea kind of a thing, right? Like rappers in their houses. And it's the same thing. Like you think you know where schools are and what's happening. But like, you really don't. It's like being a parent. You don't know what it's like being a parent until you actually have kids and you raise them and you're like, oh my God, this is super fun, but it's so hard. And I think there's just like a, a gap of keeping in touch. And let me tell you, it's not hard to get back in touch. It doesn't cost any money. You just need to change your habits. You just need to not go to your office. You need to just tell your secretary or your staff, I'm going to be in schools all day, all week, all month. And then you're going to be like, dang, I'm in a different place. I mean, look at Tesla. I think Tesla is a really good example. And Elon Musk, you know, like Tesla or not, Elon Musk, whatever. I mean, he's a brilliant guy. Like, I mean, he would live, sleep at the factory in Fremont, which is like 30, 45 minutes from where I live, like a few years ago, because Tesla was having some problems. This was like, they were trying to get the Model 3 out. Like he slept there. He wasn't in some headquarters somewhere else. He was at the factory where they were like manufacturing and making the vehicles because he knew that he had to be on the ground floor. He can't be, you know, in San Francisco, in some tower, whatever, just getting reports. No, you got to be out there. You got to see what's going on. And I think it's a really simple lesson in leadership and knowing, again, knowing where you need to go, you need to know where first you are. And if you think you know where you are, just go spend some more time because I guarantee you it's changed because the because the, <clears throat> the the pace of change, as you know, Brandon, is happening so fast <laughs> and so rapid. Where you thought you were a year ago, your organization is in a different place. 
Yeah, and I think even just thinking about administrators and school leaders and how the turnover that has been happening recently and how there are people that are even leaving the 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 administration profession to go back into the classroom and mm -hmm. talk a little bit about how these past years with us being able to do everything from this from our seat being able to do the zoom meetings not having the in person you know team meetings and things like that but now moving back into that space talk a little bit about about that impact from you mean principals going back to the classroom yeah just just, like just in terms connected yeah like i kind of should have finished that question a little bit better for you but just in terms i'm just of, clarifying yeah 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 no just in terms of the fact that the that they are leaving the profession but also the fact that what's the reason why you know that's mm -hmm. the real question like why are they leaving this position. And then the other thing that you've been talking about this whole time, well, why are they sitting in their, in their space doing it? Because clearly if they're not getting out and in, in leading effectively, it has to do something with, with their self-efficacy, with their self-confidence. Right. So why is yeah. that influence happened to the point where it's taken people to run away from this job that they worked so hard to get to go someplace else, or maybe leave education entirely? Yeah, I think to like just to, to like to project some ideas. I think some people might be leaving because maybe it's not what they thought. They're like, I don't want to do contact tracing. I don't want to deal with parents and school board meetings and all this political, you know, stuff that's happening across our country that has come to school board meetings and and what have you. Um, but I, I think though, I think the biggest thing is lack of mentorship for anybody new or anybody like kind of early in their transition to whatever they're doing. So, I mean, if somebody, if somebody took over their school in, you know, 29, August of 2019, I mean, they still have not had like a, you know, quote unquote, like normal year. They're still dealing with things that nobody ever dealt with before. And if you didn't have a, a mentor and if you didn't kind of know like where to put your energy, like, where are you going to be? You know, I mean, you and I can talk uh, sports coaching, you know, you're a soccer guy. Like, you know, I was a baseball player all growing up. My kids play, you know, travel club soccer right now. So, you know, you know, like, so if you are, if you as a coach are focusing on things and you're like, oh my God, if you know, like that aren't just don't have impact or you're dealing with like sports engine or Biga or whatever, like the back end is, and you never like get onto the field and actually run drills and are sweating and you're seeing progress with your kids and you know, you're getting a thousand touches per kid per practice. You're going to be like, like, what am I doing? Like, this is not what I signed up for because you're spending so much time, you know, organizing travel and uh, the sports engine or the Biga app or whatever all the other things are. You're like, this is not what it is. So it's just, I think it's just so much of like, like, yeah, no, do that. Don't do that. Nope, don't do that. Or, you know, do that 50%. Do that 30%. I think it's also like, I've had this conversations with so many friends over the years. Be okay with good enough for, for things. Uh, I'm not saying mediocrity should be the goal, but if you're doing something, think about like, who's going to see this? What's going to be the impact? Maybe you just need to do it to do it. Do it good enough. I'm not trying to get a 4.5 and get like, seven AP classes. I'm trying to get this done because I have to. And I realize there's not going to be a lot of impact 
from getting this done. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to do I'm going to do it good enough. It's going to be good and fine. And then I'm going to spend the rest of my time building relationships, designing curriculum, um, you know, connecting with kids and teachers and community members, calling colleagues, seeing what do you got going on, inviting my superintendent or my assistant superintendent for a visit. I'm going to go read a book to a kindergarten class rather than sitting in my office three hours during the day or till six o'clock at night trying to fill out some something that really doesn't have a lot of return on the investment. And I think, <clears throat> I think people have not been given the permission to think that way because the principal or the school leader or, you know, the department head or whatever the job is, whatever your job is, um, you know, like it, it doesn't have to be perfect. Some things strive for perfection, a hundred percent perfect building relationships perfect getting kids ready for this world that they are living in. It's a new economy with new jobs, perfect that. But other things, you just can't do it all. And that's where like the barrier thing comes up that we kind of started off with. You know, don't focus on the organization of your Google spreadsheet and don't focus on that. Like it looks pretty, just get the information out and spend as much time with kids and teachers as you can. Cause that's where the impact happens in the hallways, in classrooms, before school, after school, building relationships. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and just to recap what you were saying, you started off talking about that lack of men mentorship, and I will push forward and just simply say that everyone needs a coach in their journey, in their personal and professional journey. So that is something that's just a, a nice gold nugget there. And you were talking about, you know, compartmentalizing your tasks, you know, and prioritizing them. And then from there, seeing which ones are most important and thinking about that economy of time and developing those habits that will continue to lead to the success that you need in your life, but also as yourself as a leader. You know, one thing I forgot to mention on the pre-show, and hopefully you remembered because I forgot to say it to you, is we one thing we do on this show and thinking about all the stuff that you've been talking about and all the people you've connected with, and I know this is super hard to ask you to pick somebody and I don't even know who you're going to pick right now, but we dedicate this show to somebody who's out there unlocking unlimited potential in all whom they serve. And you've talked about so many, so many great things about being a great leader. So do you have someone in mind that you'd like to dedicate this show to? Yeah, man, I got, I got so many friends out there, but I got to give a shout out to my friend, Dr. Howard Fields. It's at H E Fields. And then the number three on Twitter uh, Howard was the principal of the year for NAESP. It's the National Association of Elementary School Principals. Two years ago, he is now um, assistant superintendent of human resources for a district in the St. Louis area. Uh, Howard has become a good friend of mine. I've been on some some panels with Howard. He's a he's a multi. I think like two or three books he's written. You, you got to get Howard on the show. He is um, he's awesome. Howard, uh, my boy, if you're listening, Howard is one of the smartest, most pragmatic leaders that I've met. And I just love how he looks at education and how he looks at schools, how he looks at equity. Um, so many things across the board. Howard Fields, Dr. Howard Fields the third, my boy uh, at H.E. Fields. Three. Um, he has yet to go for a run with me. I've asked him many times. He's like, bro, I'm not running with you. 
Um, but I dedicate the show to Howard. Uh, Brandon, I'll connect you. You got to get Howard on the show. He's amazing. Howard, I'm coming for you. I appreciate <laughs> that. Shout out to Howard Fields. Keep doing what you're doing. I appreciate that. Awesome connection. And the last thing I have to ask you to do is finish my sentence. So unlocking unlimited potential means. It means doing something that is hard because I think growth comes when we are not in our comfort zone and you're going to maximize your full potential as a human being when you do something that is hard and just pick something, pick something that you would normally naturally do and just try to do it in a different way. Uh, here's a really quick story. Uh, I run marathons, Brandon, you, you let off of that. I've run 32 marathons and uh, uh, in 2016, I was just kind of feeling like in a rut. So I decided for 2017 that I was going to run one marathon a month for the entire year. I was going to run 12 marathons because if you want a different outcome with something, you have to change the process. You got to push yourself. In June of that marathon year, I realized that my December marathon was going to be my 19th marathon of my life. And I didn't want to end on that uneven number. So I ran that marathon twice. I ran it backwards from the finish to the start line at 2 a.m. I changed my shirt, got something to eat, and then I ran the real race back with everybody else. If you want a different outcome and you want to unlock your unlimited potential, you have to change the process. I wasn't done. Two weeks later, I ran the hardest race of my life. I did a 24-hour race, which is exactly what it sounds like. You run for 24 hours straight. It was, uh, it was at Chrissy Field in San Francisco, right below the Golden Gate Bridge. It was a mile loop for a day. <laughs> now, my goal was 100 miles. That was my goal. And at 8 a.m., I crossed the line and I'd run 100 miles. And my wife was there and she said, honey, I'm so proud of you. She said, but this is not a 100-mile race, Adam. This is an amount of time race. The race was from nine to nine. It was only eight. I had one more hour to go. The point of that is have people in your life that are going to hold you accountable and continue to push you until you cross that finish line. I went for another hour. I ran 103 miles in 24 hours. I tell that story because I know everybody listening is not a runner. I get that. Some of you don't even want to say the word run. But whatever you do in your life, you have more potential inside of you. Push yourself. Turn the screws. Think bigger. Think wider. Think deeper. Have people in your life that are going to push you and also hold you accountable to those goals. Because when you have a team around you, it is so much easier and so much more fun to help and try to achieve those goals when you have that team cheering you on. Oh man, nobody can see you right now, but you're like jumping through the camera. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can, that's such an amazing story. Thank you for sharing that. That's I, even though I knew part of the story, cause there's a book about it. There so, is a book. There is a book. And so I, I, I've, I knew a bits and pieces of it, but hearing you tell it and almost jump through the screen with passion just makes me want to make, made it so much better than reading it. I love it, but I appreciate you. Listen. So what's next for you, Adam? You have so many things going on. I know. I don't know. I, I kind of feel like I'm nearing the swan song of my speaking. I've done, I've done almost 350 keynotes all across the country the last five or six years and I'm just, I'm trying to see what's next. I, I don't want to, nor do I think I should be doing, you know, speaking for like the next 10 years. Um, I actually really want to go back and be a principal again. I want to go 
be an elementary principal, but who knows what's going to happen. You know, I just turned 43 and, uh, I have time. So if anybody out there listening has an opportunity and you want to connect, let's talk because Adam is on the market, <laughs> uh, from like a, an employment standpoint and just seeing, you know, what's possible. Uh, I don't know. I, Thought about like trying to get a job with Tesla or Ford and help their electric car, you know, initiatives get off the get off the ground because um, I feel like we have to do something for our planet. I love skiing and I want snow to be around in 20 years. So, uh, you know, who knows? I don't know. I'm actually super open to just whatever life is going to happen. I don't have anything concrete that I that I need to do. Well, I'm sure there's going to be great things in your future, and I'm sure you're going you have a, going to have a lot more options than you actually even know. So, <laughs> best of luck with that, and I appreciate you for joining me on the show. And to all our listeners out there, if you have not signed up yet for the Something for You newsletter from BrandonBeckEDU.com, it is free, helpful tips and resources that hit your inbox on the first and fifteenth of every month. Head on over to the website, sign up. I'm looking forward to sharing these resources with you. And I'm even looking more forward to you telling me what you think and tell me what you need because I'm interested. And for all of those educators that are out there, remember that the journey towards unlocking unlimited potential, it begins with you and continue to educate with passion and purpose. Adam, I truly appreciate having you on the show. Thanks, Brandon. Thanks for having me. Everybody out there, keep crushing it. You got this. I believe in you. Keep crushing it. Have an awesome day, everybody.